Well, I'm very excited about our uh, speaker this morning, Pastor Ken Reynolds, a.k.a. K-Ray. And uh, um, it's awesome. Uh, Ken's been part of the Res Life family for probably almost 20 years now, right? Real close. And uh, when I think about Ken, I think of a faithful man. I think of a, a man of faith, but also a faithful man. You know, a faithful son of his heavenly father, but also his earthly father, his parents, uh, a faithful brother, a faithful husband, a faithful father, uncle, cousin, you go on, and friend. Um, but uh, Ken is just awesome. I guess I don't have to tell you that because you already know that. But Ken has got a word that God's put on his heart this morning. Would you please give a warm welcome to Pastor Ken Reynolds. Ken, come on up. Thank you, Pastor Tom. Another faithful man. He's been here longer than me. <laughs> old as dirt. What's up, brothers? How y'all's doing today? Um, it's good to be here, nice and early. I'm not a morning person, actually. So um, fortunately, I got up today. I'm glad to be here, though. Most of you know me as the singer on the stage. <laughs> I run into a lot of people here on weekends, and they look at me. They go, hey, you, you're the guy that plays piano, or you're that singer? <laughs> yeah, basically, they always say the, the, the keyboard. They never say the guitar, which is interesting. But um, I thought what I'd do is maybe give you a little bit more information about me. You know, I don't get it. I don't get an opportunity to do that a lot. So let me do that. I went to Western Michigan University. So I'm a Bronco. Any Broncos in the room? Any Bronco fans? Hey, all right. <laughs> oh, man. Central. I almost went there, but I woke up. <laughs> but I graduated with a business degree in marketing which I'm sure um, you probably wouldn't know or wouldn't have guessed. I have a music minor. I have a double minor in music and business. And I worked for Steelcase for 12 years and actually their corporate headquarters. So I worked there, good job, great job, and before going into full-time ministry. When I was there, I was at Madison Square Church in town, actually, that's the CRC church. Um, are you familiar with that church in town? I was there while I was at Steelcase, but I actually grew up at New Hope Baptist Church, which is also in the city. Are you familiar with that church at all, anybody? New Hope Baptist Church? Yeah, that's, that's where I grew up, and that's where I learned how to play all the instruments, and that's where I got saved. So I've been married to my wife, Andrea, for almost 30 years. I have a son, Kenton, who is 24, and I have a daughter, Alyssa, who is 20. And you see them on the platform every once in a while playing percussion. That's them. I have a brother and a sister. My sister's on the platform singing. Uh, so you see her. My brother, every once in a while, you'll see him playing keys. He's an amazing musician. Um, his, his name is Troy. My sister's name is Beverly. I love being outside. I love the ocean. I love water. I love being around water. So anytime I can get around water, I just 
love looking at it. I don't know. Sometimes when I look at water, I think about I think about God and and life, and and that's that's the feeling that I get. I don't know. I think it gives me a sense of peace. So I love being around water. I love movies, sports, and of course music. Those close to me would actually say that I'm quiet. Believe it or not, um, not a lot of people would would know that, but. I don't mind being by myself, you know, at home sometimes, just chilling or just kind of looking at nature. Um, many people think that I'm this boisterous person and extrovert. I, I learned how to do that, you know, as I got into ministry. I had to, I had to get out of myself, out of my comfort zone. But I, I'm more of a quiet person. You know, growing up in the home I did, there was, real, there was no real room for getting in trouble. All right. We were at church two to three times a week. My father and mother were over the music department. So we were at church all the time. So you could, I basically was a PK, preacher's kid, without my dad being a preacher. All right. But I basically lived at church. That was my life. Um, but my parents kept a tight leash on us. At age three, I started taking an interest. Now, let me, let me ask this question. Um, who thinks they know what my first instrument was that I started playing? Just, what do you, what, what do you say? What do you say? I'm hearing drums. <laughs> Recorder. <laughs> Hand back there, what, what do you say? Interesting. Kazoo. <laughs> I played the kazoo once in my life. <laughs> so why are you guys saying drums? Because I got the beat. I do have the beat. I got some rhythm. <laughs> Drums was my first instrument, so you were right, those I said drums. At age three, uh, I would play the pots and pans. My mother, my parents would take the pots and pans out, and I would break them and play, play uh, the waste baskets, baskets and stuff like that. So drums was my first instrument. By age five, I was playing a full set, and like by age seven or eight, I was playing in church. All right, By age seven, I was playing the piano, and by 12, I was playing the bass guitar. And I learned how to play bass by first playing the broom. I would get the broom and I would air band it, you know, and just pretend I was playing. And then, interesting, ironically, my parents got a guitar for my brother, just a little toy guitar when he was probably 10. And I took it, and that's how I learned how to play bass. So I actually stole the guitar from him and um, learned how to play bass. So that's kind of my musical journey. <clears throat> I went through three piano teachers. Uh, they all said that I was too advanced for them to uh, teach me how to play. But I, didn't, I don't believe that. I think they were too lazy, personally. Um, I, I wish they would have stuck with it, but they gave up. You know, but anyway. At eight or nine, I started composing songs, and my musical journey began. And uh, my parents would cart me around to talent shows when I was in fourth and fifth grade on drums which I look back at that now, and I'm, I'm kind of embarrassed by that. But that was just a time in my life where, you know, my parents saw something in me. And, you know, they said, hey, you've got a gift. And I would just go around the city to all these different talent shows, and I won some of them. And I played this medley. You will never guess what I played to. So we get up there, we get like four or five minutes, and I would play drums to a song. And I won't ask you to guess because you never will. Well, you know what? I will. I'll, I'll see. So there was a group, there was a duo 
in this in the seventies, early eighties, that were popular, uh, that were on the radio. That's what I played. Um, they had a medley of their hits, and I played to that. What do you, what do you think that duo was? It was a. Let me give you another hint. It was a male and a female. Sonny Shearer, n- nice nice guess. Captain Antino, nice guess. These are good guesses. Carpenters. That's it. The Carpenters. <laughs> Believe it or not. <laughs> Some of you are, well, you, you know who the Carpenters are, Ricky? Yeah, he's like, uh, they hammer, they have tools. <laughs> Jesus? <laughs> That's a brother and sister duel. So, you know. So I'm a Carpenters fan because of my mother. She loved them. So I went around playing to a Carpenters song. You would never believe that. Um, but anyway, that was me. You know, I gave my life to the Lord at age six. But it wasn't until my early teens that I realized that God had touched me with the gift of music. And I started dedicating my life more and more to him. And as I got older, you know, I started developing my own relationship. And um, started to realize what really mattered to God, you know. That's what I want to focus on for a minute. What really matters? All right. You know, you know, guys, society does everything they can to define success and shove it down our throats. You know, success comes in many different packages, but according to the world, success is determined by how much you've got, how much money you got, how much clothes you got, the cars you got, the kind of job you've got. And so on and so on and so on. What you have, what you got. That's, that's society's definition of success. But Matthew 6, 24 says this. No one can serve two masters. For you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. You cannot serve God and mammon. It's another translation for that. I'm sure there are many of you here that have seen a lot of things. Some of you have been through some tough stuff. But the key is you got through it. If you're in the middle of it, know that God can get you out. You know, I was honored last week to give the eulogy of a friend of all of ours here, some of us anyway, Vince Bowman. That was, that was hard. But it was apparent at his celebration that his life touched a lot of people, you know. See, he knew what really mattered. He wasn't perfect, but he got it. He understood. So how many here know that despite our faults, God can still use us despite our faults? You believe that? So just because I'm in full-time ministry doesn't mean that I can have any more impact than you. It's not just what we do. All you have to do is live by this one rule. Matthew 6, a familiar passage. We all know it. We've heard it. Seek the kingdom of God. I like this translation here. It says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything that you need. I like that translation. Another translation that we all know, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added. You can make an impact right where you are. So what really matters? So I want you to to do a little exercise for me. You have an assignment. I want you to think about where you work. Think about your job right now. 
So just a moment in your mind, wherever it is, it might be in the factory, it might be outside, it might work outside, it might be in an office somewhere, maybe here at church. Just think about it. Think about where you work, in an office. Okay, now, think about your coworkers. Just for a moment. Some of you probably don't want to. <laughs> Four or five of them. Think about who you work with. Just take a moment. Think about your surroundings, wherever you are. Think about your coworkers. Now, here's a question. How would they describe you? Think about that just for a moment. Just take a moment and think about how your coworkers, if I were to ask them, hey, tell me about this person. Tell me about BJ. <laughs> tell me about Pastor Tom. Tell me about John. Just think about it. What would they say? Think about it just a minute. Question for all of you. I want you to be honest. This is where it gets interesting. <clears throat> I want you to raise your hand. All right. How many would say that your coworkers would describe you as funny? If that's you, just raise your hand in here. It's funny. All right, cool. How about this? How many would describe you as quiet? <laughs> How about uh, grumpy? Just be honest. It's all right. Nobody, no, nobody, in here is, nobody in here is grumpy? Oh, I got one hand. Thank you for being honest, bro. We'll work, we'll work on that today. <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. How about mean? How many, would, how many do you say they would describe you as, as kind of a mean person? It's okay. Angry. How about loud? Definitely Ricky put that hand up. All right, all right. How about preachy? Preachy. <laughs> yeah, I would say that. You always preaching to somebody? <laughs> oh man, at the gas station. You know, you should you should you're putting that card in, you know what God's anyway. How many would describe you as fun to be around? All right. So let me ask another reflective question. When you enter the room, does the room get lighter? Or does it get heavier when you enter a room? This is not meant to get you depressed. So you're like, <laughs> you know, oh, that's heavy. <laughs> you ever think about that? I think about it every once in a while. It's like when I enter a room, do things lighten up? Do things get heavy? Maybe maybe nothing happens. Maybe it's equal. But, you know, it's good to take a self-evaluation of that every once in a while, you know? So I want to take a moment before I continue at your table. I want us to go back through those questions, and this is what I want you to do. I want you to, to share with a couple people 
something that you think you can do maybe better in your circle of four or five people. Okay? I want you to think about that. Here's an example to start it out. Let's just say that you haven't shared your faith. Okay? And in and, and, and your circle, it's, you know, maybe it's a little bit too hard, maybe a little, a little rough, or maybe you just never feel comfortable doing that, and you're thinking to yourself, you know what, I could probably do a little bit better at that. It could be anything. So I want you to just take a couple of moments, and I want you to think about that, and then just share with a couple of you guys, and just say, you know what, in my circle, I think I could do a little bit better at this, or maybe a little bit better at that, or maybe a little less complaining, or something like that, all right? So just go ahead and do that. Let's just take a few moments and do that at your table right now. Just think about it, and Just go ahead. Doing that, I'm sure we could go on a while. You know, every once in a while, it's it's good to kind of ask the question, how am I doing? You know, how am I doing? So back to the question, what really matters? Actually, the real question is, what really matters to God? That's really the question. You know, I can sing, I can play, I can do all these things. Does God really care about that? Or does God really care about how I treat my family? You know, does God really care about what we do more than who we are? What kind of impact are you making in your world? Think about that for a moment. Everyone has a circle of influence. No matter how big or small, we have a circle. So how are you impacting that circle? I have a number of questions today just for you to kind of think about. Are are they better because you're in their life? Think about your group, who you hang out with, who you watch the game with, maybe some people in your neighborhood, maybe your family. Are they better because you're in it? How about this question? Are you better because they're in your life? Are you better? Sometimes we have to reevaluate our circle. I had to do that at a time in my life. I'm like, you know what? This relationship is not really good for me. You've ever had to do that, you know, and 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 kind of re and self-evaluate. That's hard. Sometimes the relationships are long and deep. But sometimes you have to purge. And that's a good thing to do. Do they make you better? I'm not saying that everyone in your circle needs to be a Christian. But in your life, making a difference is what's key. That's what matters to God. There was a time in my life, I, I, I used to shop a lot for clothes. I don't do that anymore because my kids got older. <laughs> <laughs> not that much funny to do that. But uh, I used to go to this one store in the city. They had cool clothes. And um, it was run by um, some Muslims. And they were very nice, nice guys. We got to know each other, know each other's names. And, you know, started developing a relationship with one of them. And, you know, met his wife, his kid. They started going to the church. His wife 
was a Christian. And she went to the church that we went to before, this was before I was here. And her desire was for him to become a Christian. You know, the Bible says not to marry unequally yoked. They did that. And uh, we developed a relationship. And it was very, uh, shall we say, had to be very transparent with this gentleman. And we talked. We became friends. He shared some details of his life. He had family that were overseas, you know, and it was a whole different lifestyle. And of course, different religion. And over time, he gave his life to the Lord and um, ended up getting baptized. And that was a huge thing for the family, you know, at that time. And after that, I took him through this book, and we tried to spend time with him after that. Because, you know, the journey after that is going to get harder. The enemy's going to come after you, you know, when you, when you make that kind of decision. But that was, that was an investment that I made, you know, with a stranger. And I just encourage you, for those of you that have never done that and reached outside of, of yourself, it's like, okay, this is a whole different whole different deal. This, is, this was just a sales guy at a store that I just happened to meet, you know. But that was an investment that I made. Mark 16, 15 says this, and then he told him, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. So what does that scripture mean to you? <clears throat> go into the world and preach the, preach the good news. Not everyone is a preacher. Not everyone can give a great sermon. But what does that scripture mean? See, brothers, your life can preach. The way you treat your family can preach the greatest sermon to someone that they would ever see. The way you treat your children can preach the greatest sermon that someone could ever see. Or maybe the way you treat them is the greatest sermon that someone could ever see. Not everything will go your way. Not everything's the better of roses. I've had some real challenges the past year. Most of you know about them. I had to decide that I was going to walk through them. You know, it's not about impressing people or pleasing people. It's about pleasing God. And I leave you with this charge, the scripture, Paul's words in Ephesians. Ephesians 4, 1, 6 says this. Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. If you've been called by God, raise your hand. Everyone should be raising their hand in here. Remember, everyone's life. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep, the, to keep yourselves unity, uni, united sorry, in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. I know another translation that was tripping me up. It says, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, 
one God and Father of all who was over all and in all and living through all. So the point of that scripture that I want to make emphasized here says this. The first part, therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, this is Paul's words, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. We're talking about being an influence in your circle. If you, if you wake up every day with that mindset saying, you know, I've been called by God to live the life that I'm living, to love the family that I've been blessed with, to make an impact in the circle that I'm in at work or at home. If you wake up with that mindset, it says always be humble and gentle. That's not easy right? That's not easy, especially in some of the environments that we're in. I know some of you are in some pretty toxic environments. You know, I've been there. It's hard to be humble and to be gentle and to be patient. But that's what the Bible says. Be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. That's not easy to do. That's not easy to do. So what matters to God? Well, every one of you matter to God. And each one of you have a circle of influence. And you have one job, and that's to make the circle that you're in better because you're in it. Because you're in it. So I, I encourage you to, to take those self-evaluations every once in a while. Is my circle better because I'm in it? We go through seasons where we need each other. This is great that we come together because we're supposed to support each other as iron sharpens iron. Just like Pastor Tom preaches every week as iron sharpens iron. We're here to hold each other up. We're here to support each other. We're here to pray for each other. That's, that's, why, there's, that's why God didn't stop with Adam. <laughs> it's not good for man to be alone. Not just woman. He created us to fellowship together. So that's my encouraging word for you today. What matters to God? You matter. And two, to make an impact in your circle. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for every single brother that's here today. God, as they talked around the table and thought about ways that they can encourage, ways that they can inspire, maybe even change, and make an impact, God, for you. God, I pray that you would give them favor, boldness, that you would surround them, God, that you would protect them. God, I bless I ask you to bless their families. God, if they're married, God, their wives. If they have children, God, bless their children, their parents. God, that their generations of each male here, God, would be blessed because they're here, because they're following you. They don't have to be here today, but they're here because they love you. So bless them, God. I thank you for your son, Jesus, who was our living example 
of how to be an influencer. And we love you and we bless you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.